we're here with the round two results and recap, and we'll start by running down our list of winners from round two. All right, so in the antecessors division, the Dodicarus won, the Andrew Sarkis, the Dimetrodon, as well as the Amoebalodon. Then we had in When the Cat's Away, we had the Crocodile, the Secretary Bird, the Komodo Dragon, and the Anaconda, as well as another alt advance for the Tardigrade. Over in Great Adapt. Great adaptations. Uh, we have the Pygmy Hippo still hanging in, along with the Tasmanian Devil, the Crab Eater Seal, and the Cheetah. And in Urban Jungle, um, round two winners were the Hyena, the Coyote, the Berlin Boar, and the Porcupine. So I would just like then to use that as my launching pad to lament the loss of the Baboon, which was my champion. And my, otherwise, my bracket is beautiful, except that now my champion is out. And I did have a moment of sad sadness for you when I <laughs> I appreciate that. And I think I'm even more sort of saddened to realize that, in fact, all of the primates are now out, even the primate, like, antecessors. The baboon's out. The rhesus, of course, didn't last very long. Um, the I.I. valiantly made it a little while um, and now has t- been taken out. Um even the uh, stuff in the antecessors, like the hominid is out. It's just, it was not a great week for Team Primate. And I just, I'm feeling a little bit sad about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your sadness. Your oh. your prediction about how where hominids are so adaptable and have entered all different kinds of environments. I thought I was convinced by your, by your arguments there, Brittany. So yeah. I'm sorry. Oh. I appreciate your vote of confidence. <laughs> I think one of you mentioned the battle between the Homo florescensis and Amoebalodon, and I have a really cool connection because I actually live in Colorado, and one of the most recent discoveries of uh, fossilized remains um, was in Aspen Snowmass, and there was a bunch of mammoths and mastodons and giant ground sloths and there's this kind of debate about how all of these organisms ended up in this one it's kind of like a a bottom of a lake and they think it was maybe a lot of organisms were trapped there um, when there was an earthquake and the ground kind of liquefied and trapped a bunch of things that were drinking out of the pond but there also is um they're floating an idea that maybe early humans cached one of the mammoths in the lake to save it and preserve it. And so they have some evidence leading them to to think this. However, the timing is really off. So if humans did cache this mammoth, that pushes back the time at which humans were in North America in this area by a huge amount, like several tens of thousands of years. So they're still still gathering evidence. Um, I think it's kind of up for debate. Moment, which I thought was really cool. That's a really cool connection to your local like geologic history. I feel like even as a science nerd, I don't feel that plugged into what's going on in like my local geology. So that's that's an awesome story. Well, I know someone who is on the dig, which is why I'm so intrigued by it. I may have missed it otherwise, but um, we've gone on a bike ride before together. Uh, <laughs> that's so Colorado. I love it. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the crab eater seal and the jaguarundi. 
Mm. So this was one of the battles where, you know, my students come in after a night of battles and I put up the winners, you know, and we sort of, whatever they seem, whatever piques their interest is what I spend time on. And when I put up the winners for that round, everyone was really upset about the seal beating the Jaguarundi. And I think it's because my students, first of all, don't have a good conception of seals as predators. I think that they have this like cartoon seal in their head instead of thinking like, oh, actually seals are like really big and like powerful um, and, you know, these um, very well adapted predators. I also think that they didn't have a good picture of the Jagarundi, even though they had some time to research and I gave them some resources. Uh, but I think they, they just were like, oh, it's a jaguar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that confused them. But then also I reminded them, look, guys, this fight took place in the Antarctic Ocean. You know, yeah. a sort of felid from the tropics really just has no chance <laughs> against yeah. a seal in a, in a polar ocean. Very true. So we got to have that maybe conversation. Kind of, maybe they've been a little bit indoctrinated by school mascots. I don't oh. think I've ever heard of there being any sort of seal as a mascot, but there's definitely lots of cats. You yeah. know, cats fierce and like have claws and do battles. So I bet yeah. they've been kind of conditioned yeah. um, as students to expect the cats to do very well. And we are wildcats, so maybe that's it. Maybe they yeah. had some, See, that's, some I knew bias it. there. Yeah. <laughs> there's something to that, I think. I think so. We're on spring break now, and I haven't had a chance to go over the rest of the round twos with my students yet. And I don't know how many of them are tuning in. I think at least some of them will be tuning in over spring break. But I think they're going to be super grossed out by the um, defeat of the octopus. Yeah. Octopus being a, a saltwater creature being put into freshwater. And the result was lots of gooey mess of the octopus basically just dissolving, exploding. I think they're going to really appreciate that, though. Yeah, I love that. I'm excited to talk with my students about that. I haven't put up um, – I didn't have time. We had a quiz, so I didn't have time to go through that one with them. Just the osmosis connection is really good um, because osmosis is one of the things that's like hard to make exciting as a biology teacher. And now I have this great example of, look, octopus dissolved in water. I was always – I think maybe a little bit overly excited about the osmosis things that you can do, like where you can put the tubing with the starchy. Oh yeah, yeah, we do that. Indicator. Yeah. And I always thought it was really cool how it starts to change color, and you're like, "Look at it! It's a semi-permeable membrane, and you know, molecules are moving." And kids are never as impressed as I am with that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely more of a graphic example. Um, the other thing from that division um, that we need to just briefly mention is the fact that there was an eagle owl hooting from the stomach of a Komodo dragon. And I really appreciated that when when that was tweeted, that there was an owl hooting from the stomach, it was immediately followed up with someone's personal experience that was, actually, no, this is a real thing. Like, I've heard a chicken from the inside of a Komodo dragon. And it's just such another... One of the great things about the tournament is that they'll throw out these like battle scenarios that seem ridiculous. And then they're like, nope, this is actually backed up by like direct experience or a research paper. Um, and I love that the natural world is so weird that these things that seem fantastical are actually realistic. And it reminded me of a book. I'm, I have my AP biology students read Last Chance to See by Douglas Adams, uh, which is a great book. And I plug it to all of the science nerds I know because I find that a lot of people haven't read it. Um, but in the book, Douglas Adams, who's this great British humorist, he's better known for writing The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, he goes on this 
uh, travel, he travels with a biologist to see the final remaining individuals from severely endangered species. And so one of the things that they do is they go to see a Komodo dragon. And there's just this great scene of a local like tour guide um, essentially baiting a Komodo dragon with chickens for the benefit of like these sort of um, stereotypical Western tourist group. And um, it's narrated with great Douglas Adams wit about sort of our relationship with these Komodo dragons and the relationship between tourism and conservation. And I'm excited for my students now to read that book over the next couple of weeks and we can circle back around to this part in the tournament. I love that. There was another um, book recommendation in this series of battles. I think Professor Hindi yeah. recommended The Song of the Dodo by David Quammen. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to add both of those to my reading list. So thank you for yeah, adding that. All right. So um, the next round will be starting soon. Um, and we will be checking in on that. I'm actually heading off to the Galapagos for a week because my life is amazing. So um, you. But hopefully we'll be able to touch base um, and do some round three talk. Yes, and we we shall see what continues to happen with the tardigrade because as we have discovered, alt advance means the tardigrade is just kind of like hanging out on the anaconda, chilling, just holding on. I think my prediction is that the tardigrade will just hop on to whichever animal wins and it will just carry all the way to the championship and will be an alt winner. I'm thinking more that whoever ends up in the final two will mutually destruct and the tardigrade will be the last one standing. Oh, in true that was outlast not a possibility fashion. that I considered. They could, yes, yes, like both of them strike the fatal blow at the exact same yep. time and tardigrade survives. <gasps> so I many possibilities. <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right. Thanks, Megan. Thank you, Brittany. Have so much fun in the Galapagos. Thanks. You can follow me on Twitter at F-R-A-N-C-K-O-W-L-H-S. You can follow Megan at Meg Fretz, F-R-E-T-Z. We tweet about our classrooms and we'll be tweeting about March Mammal Madness throughout the tournament. You can follow the official March Mammal Madness account on Twitter at 2018 MMM Let's Go.